Well, if you brought a Bible this morning, I'm going to invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. While you're turning there, I'm gathering my thoughts. I want to take a moment to tell you I'm going to be preaching about stewardship. You've already figured that out. It's really a, an appropriate time of year for that. There are so many things going on. Budgeting processes are underway. And a lot of folks are finishing their year and looking to the beginning of a new year. But it's also, it's also the 10th. And that means tomorrow's the 11th. And I know some of you in this room are keenly aware of what that means. And many of you in this room have no idea what that means. Tomorrow is 11-11. Still don't get it, do you? For those of us who lived in a different century, it was about 11-11-11. Because at 11 a.m., a peace treaty was signed on November 11, the 11th, that ended World War I, Armistice Day. It became Veterans Day. This morning, I'm going to speak about stewardship, but before I do, I want to say thank you to those who stewarded their lives differently than many of us have. By sacrificing time, years, energy, bloodshed, we are able, I, I, I can never get past this. I've, I've told my dad, thank you so many times. He's my favorite sailor, by the way. Because of the sacrifice that those who are veterans have made, I can stand here every Sunday morning and I can proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ without fear, in absolute freedom. And because of that, I, I want to take just a moment, I, I want to recognize our veterans. If you have been in any branch or are in any branch of our armed services military, would you just stand for a moment so that I can see you? To each one of you, I want to say thank you. I know you may be looking at me and say, well, yeah, I'm standing here in a crowd. I would say it to each one of you individually and would gladly do so. Thank you for giving me this right and this privilege, for giving us the right privilege to be able to come here and worship together in this fashion without fear. We are who we are and we do what we do because you did what you did. And we rejoice in that. Again, I say thank you. Would you just let me pray over you? Father, we thank you today for the sacrifices of brave men and women that have been made in the past, are being made even in this moment. We pray for our armed services, for those who stand in the gap for us. And we pray that you watch over them and protect them. Father, I pray a prayer of thanksgiving for these who have stewarded their lives in such a way that they were willing to guard, defend, and protect 
And I pray that you would bless them today, tomorrow, and every day. Reward them for their service, Father. And love them as only you can. Meet their needs. Be a lover of their souls. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. By the way, for those of you who are veterans that just stood, after we're dismissed this morning, this is for our veterans, all right? After we're dismissed this morning out in the foyer, there are going to be some goodie bags that were prepared by our preschool classes. And they wanted to say thank you. So I encourage you, go buy it, take one of those, and understand may not be a whole lot, but when you walk out of here, there are some children who may not know your name, but they love you. They're being taught what you have done. And we're going to continue to teach those things. Now, I want to get down to the message of stewardship. And I know immediately some of you are going to hit the mute button and say, here we go again. Dude's going to talk about money. No, I'm not. Well, I might. But I I want you to understand something. Stewardship is not money. Stewardship is a lifestyle. Stewardship is about much more than just our money. I know I spend a lot of time talking about stewardship, emphasizing it in conversations and and talking about it in the pulpit. Every Sunday morning when we come together, every Sunday evening when we come together to worship, we take the time to worship as stewards. And I, I understand that it's more than just what we put in an offering plate, but I don't think a lot of people get that. I've had people tell me, you know, Pastor, it's kind of ridiculous to take an offering on Sunday evening and Sunday morning, both because everybody gives their offering on Sunday morning. Well, first off, I want to say to you, not true. Some people give on Sunday evening, but other than that, I want you to understand, it's about taking the opportunity to worship as stewards. It's not just about taking an offering. When the Lord saved us, when He saved me, And not just me as a pastor, but every one of us in this room who belong to him. When he saved us, he invited us to join him in the work of missions, evangelism, and reaching a world. Paul described it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. One of my favorite passages, it's not what the text I'm using this morning, but, but you remember what he said, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And he says, all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling himself to the world in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though Christ were making his appeal to you through us. So we implore you. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. What an amazing passage of Scripture. God has given to us this ministry of reconciliation. We're partners with Him in ministry. I mean, if you've got to have a partner in ministry, wouldn't you like for it to be Jesus? 
He has entrusted to us all of the resources that we need to accomplish our calling. I had someone say to me, you know, Pastor, every time we take the offering, you use about the same words. Yes, I do. And I'm going to explain to you this morning why I use those words. But I want us to begin by getting down to the root of stewardship. And that's what we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And I want you to go there with me. If you've got your Bible open to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, we're going to read together the first five verses. If you've got your Bible open there, if you can, Will, I'm going to invite you to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's holy word. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning at verse 1, Paul writes, And here is what he says. This then is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now, it's required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from the Lord. Now, before you close your Bible, and I don't want you to close your Bible all morning long, but before you do it, because some of you do it when you sit down, it's just natural. I want you to look back up at verse 2. Because here is the crux of the matter. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust, those who are stewards, must prove faithful. Faithful. Hang on to that word. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning I thank you for your holy word. I pray that you would make it come to life in our hearts and our minds. That you would challenge us this morning. That you would expose the truth and reveal the lies. Father, shine a light into our lives and help us to see our lives in the way that you see them. That we might become a people whose lives are surrendered that we would see ourselves as forfeit for the cause of Christ. Now, Father, teach us this morning what it means to be a steward in your kingdom. And then give us the courage to walk in your way. For we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. A steward is a manager, a supervisor who is entrusted with that which belongs to someone else. And Paul declared that the requirements for being a good steward are basically the bottom line. It's faithfulness. Now, we can use other words, reliability, dependability, trustworthiness, but it all comes back to being faithful. It's not required. i got good news for you, folks. This is great news for me. It is not required that a steward be brilliant or successful but that they be faithful. It's required that each one of us, if we are going to steward what God has placed in our lives properly, that we will be faithful. Faithfulness is the will of God. And I want you to understand something. It is possible for each and every one of us. What does it entail? 
Well, let me get down to the spiel kind of that I give you just about every time I call the ushers down and we get ready to take an offering. All right? As followers of Christ, as Christians, as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are called to be faithful in our use of our time. Our time. I know people say, well, wait a minute. You're supposed to be talking about money. This is a sermon about stewardship. Stewardship is not money. Stewardship is lifestyle. Okay, money will be involved in it to some degree, but this is about a lifestyle. And I want you to know something this morning. Time is the most precious commodity you got. And God has given to each one of us the same amount of time. You say, well, you don't know that. No, I'm not talking about the number of our days. I'm talking about the moments that are in each day. I have people tell me all the time, well, preacher, I just don't have time to be involved with it. Okay, listen, I want you to understand something. I, I get it. All of us, however, have 60 minutes in every hour, and we have 24 hours in every day, and we've got seven days in every week, and I know the months, day, number of days a month vary somewhat, but we've all got 12 months in our year, right? We all have the same amount of time. The question is, what will we determine are the priorities in our lives, and how will we invest our time? For some, they allow everything in the world to become most important to them. It may be their hobbies. It may be their families. It may be their sports. It may be anything that they love and care about. But you know, I've come to the conclusion that my time can be basically broken down into three levels. Now yours, I know, it could be many, many more. And I, some of you are going to say, well, I can add to that. I know you can. I could too. I choose not to. My time is broken down into three elements. First, time to work. You know, there are things that just have to be done. I, I have to get in the office. I have to. Do you know what I figured out in 45 years of ministry? There is a Sunday morning every seventh day. Every seventh day, people file into a building, and they expect me to have something to say, and they expect it to be worthwhile. And as soon as Sunday is over, the race is on, because now it's three days to Wednesday night, and people are going to show up again and expect me to have something to tell them and share with them out of the Word of God. And so I have to get in the office. I have to spend time in the Word of God. I've got to study. I've got to prepare. I've got to write. It's okay. Now, you're saying, well, I don't have to do any of that. Cool. You still got bills to pay, don't you? So you've got to get up tomorrow morning, and you've got to go to work, and you've got to clock in, and you've got to begin the process of doing that, which is your responsibility. Do you know that that was God's plan all along? In the Old Testament, when God gave the law to Israel through Moses, he outlined his plan for his people in Exodus chapter 20. Oh yeah, that's where the Ten Commandments are out. That's where it says, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day, that's a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Six days. And we're sitting here on a five-day work week, people saying, I really wish we could get it down to four. But God says, six days shall you labor. Now, I know that sometimes emergency arise, and we have to do a little bit more than that six. And there are times when people call me and say, Pastor, I can't be there. This has happened at work. I've gotten called in. I have to be. I get it. I understand. But I want to tell you something. If you're one of those people that gets called in every week, if your reality is that you're working seven days a week, every week is just without end. It's without stop. There is no time off. You either need to reexamine the methods of your operation, or you need to reevaluate what your goals are in life. Because God created us to work six, rest one. 
Which brings me to the second division of my time, and that is time to rest. I'm not very good at it. Those of you that know me well understand what I'm saying. It's hard to disengage. It's hard to shut down. If somebody's in need, if there's a situation that needs to be addressed, I want to be there. I want to be in the middle of it. If something exciting is going on, I don't want to miss that for sure. I mean, it's hard for us to stop, to disengage and rest. But if you go back to Exodus 20 again, you read that the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work. Not you, your son, your daughter, your manservant, your maidservant, your animals, or even the aliens that live among you. Did you know some of y'all may be aliens? He's talking about foreigners, those who are not part of the, the people of Israel. He said, when it comes Sabbath, shut it down. It doesn't matter whether they believe what you believe or not, shut it down. Why would we do that? Here's what God told Moses. Because the Lord did all his work on the six days. And he rested. You see, the original idea of a Sabbath is simply a time to separate. To step back from that which consumes us so much of the time. So that our hearts and our lives and our spirits and our souls can be renewed and refreshed. So we don't get weary of it. We don't get tired of it. Do you know, I was reading something the other day. And it said that the average young person entering the workforce today. If they continue the pace that they have within the first 12 years of their adult working lives. They will have seven different career paths before they finally reach retirement age. They're changing jobs at incredible speed. And do you know why they're doing it? Because they're getting tired of what they do. Do you know why they get tired of what they do? Because they don't take time off from what they do. And it becomes a job rather than a joy. It becomes a drudgery rather than a pleasure. That's what happens if you don't give yourself time to step aside from it. Now, let me tell you about my third division. And, and I realize y'all aren't pastors. You're not. You're, you are ministers. Jesus said we're all ministers, okay? But you're not pastors vocationally. But I'm going to tell you what my third division is. I, I've got three divisions of my time. Time to work, time to rest, and time to serve. Time to serve. There's a time when I've got to walk out of the office. There aren't any people in there but me. And, and, and I don't need to serve myself. I need to serve others. I need to serve the Lord. I need to serve the Lord's people. And that's the reason I come out of the office and I go. I realize that I have to go where people are. I have to get out of the office. I, I may have to go to the store. I may have to go to the supermarket. I may have to go to someone's home or to a hospital or to a, a rehab facility. I've got to go where people are because that's how we serve people. And when we serve people, we serve the Lord. And when we serve the Lord, we serve the kingdom of God. What we're doing in that process is we are stewarding our time in such a way that we make time to love on people just like Jesus loved on people. Time. You've got it. The question is, what are you going to do with it? But It's not just our time. I'm convinced that Jesus' followers are called to faithfully use our talents. Now, I'm not talking in parabolic language. I'm not talking about the parable of the talents that Jesus taught. I'm talking about what you can do. I'm talking literally. See, everyone has some talent or some talents, things that they can do, things that they are naturally inclined to, maybe things that God has gifted them for, given the ability. We each 
possess talents. And every talent that we have should be seen as a gift from God. Do you know why? Because he made you. And whatever you are able to do, he has given you the capacity to do. And he has made you capable of doing. And he has gifted you for it. And he has given you a desire and an enjoyment that comes in the doing of it. And so our talents should be used for God's glory and for the advancement of his kingdom. That's what's happening when we take our talents and we serve other people with them. If we use our talents only for ourselves, for selfish gain or self-advancement, I want you to understand something. We have failed the test of faithful stewardship because he didn't give these things to us just so we could pull them out and play with them and have a good time for ourselves. He gave them to us so that we could love others and explain to them that what we have is a gift from God. Who loves them. Every talent carries with it responsibility. A sense of responsibility. It's like students, y'all watch comic books. Marvel, DC. That's, that's what those are. When I was growing up, we didn't have the movies. We went to the store, and we spent a quarter, and we got comic books. And I know that in one of those comic books, I don't remember which one, but I had a pretty hefty collection at one point in my childhood. I, I remember, though, in one of them, this statement, and I've heard it. We chuckle about it. We laugh about it. With great power. Y'all can finish it, can't you? <laughs> Comes great responsibility. Can I tell you something? That's true. What God has placed in our hands, he has given us with that great talent, with that great gift, comes great responsibility. He expects us to use what he has placed in our hands to bless others and in so doing to spread his fame and make him known. He's given us our talents so we can develop them and use them for him. And if we would please him, and we need to be reliable, dependable, Faithful in using the talents that he's given to us. Now, I told you I wasn't, but you can't get around it. All right? If you're going to talk about stewardship, you got to go there sometime. So, sit down. Settle in. Because Jesus' followers are called to faithfully use our treasure. Our treasure. That, that's how I prefer to refer to it, our treasure. Everyone has some treasure. I know that there are people who say, well, wait a minute, I don't have any treasure. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Every one of us has treasure. We have wealth. We have money. If you're sitting in this room, I want you to understand something. You are in the top 1% in the world, period. End of story. I don't care how little you might have. You are in the top 1% that is on this globe today. You may not think of yourself as wealthy, but I'm telling you, there are people in other parts of the world that look at you and say, wow, if I just had a little bit of what they got, I would be so rich. And yet we spend our time, well, I, I don't have anything to give. I remember a story about a woman who went to the church one day and she had just two pennies. Maybe y'all have heard a story similar to that. It was all she had, but she gave it. 
It seemed like there was a man sitting off the side watching that who said, that's what I'm talking about. She just gave more than all those rich people together who gave out of their abundance. You say, preacher, you don't get it. I'm struggling. We're barely making our bills. We're barely keeping a roof over our heads. I understand. Sometimes life is difficult. But if that's your case, I want, I want to challenge you to jot something down. If you've got a pencil or a pen, I want you to write something down, and I want you to go check this out. Spend the afternoon and look at this, all right? Many of you already know what I'm fixing to say. It's okay. But I want you to go home and look up Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. And I want you to hear what I'm about to say to you. Because I'm going to tell you what it says. I'm not going to let you off that easy because some of you are going to ignore me. So rather than you not hearing what it says, I'm going to tell you. Because in Deuteronomy 8, 18, Moses instructed the Israelites to remember the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And in doing so, he confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. What Moses was saying, what God was saying through Moses was, you've got the ability. You have talents. You have gifts. You have, listen, they differ. I get it. We have men who have calloused hands and strong backs, and they raise some of the most amazing structures on the face of the earth right here in this country. And we've got other men who don't have calluses on their hands except right here in the fingers where they work with a pen or a pencil. And, and they keep the books straight for the companies that hire those men with the strong backs and the calloused hands. And we have people who simply use their brains to imagine what can be. And they imagine it and someone else figures out how to make it happen. And then those who figure out how to make it happen pass it off to those who can actually get it done. And, and down and down. But do you know that every one of those people in that entire chain has been given a gift from God to create wealth. And everyone benefits from it. All I'm trying to say to you is this. If you're saying, well, I don't have much. I promise you this. Whatever you have, God has given it to you. You may think that you're great. You can do it on your own. I don't need his help. Yes, you do. Because it is he who has given you the ability to create wealth. Without him, you can't do it. All right? So here's the reality. Whatever it is that we do have, it comes from Him. And God's desire is that we would take a part of what He has given to us and that we would share that into His kingdom work. And, uh, it's getting quiet in here now. The Old Testament law of the tithe required that all of God's people would bring a tenth of their income to God's house, the temple. And that would be merged all together in order to provide for the ongoing ministry of God's house and the care of those around it. Now, I know immediately when I say something like that, there are those who say, Aha! He said the Old Testament law of the tithe. We don't live in the Old Testament. And they see that as they're out. And I always laugh at them. Because you're right. 
We don't live in the Old Testament time of law. We live in the New Testament age of grace. And we worship and follow and serve our Lord Jesus Christ, who in Matthew 5, 17 said, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. He didn't do away with the tithe. He said, Let's live it out to perfection. And not just the tithe, but every other law that we have. He, remember he went on, he talked about adultery. He talked about murder. He talked about every imaginable type of sin. He said, let's, just, let's live it out the way it's supposed to be. Not just by what we do, but by what we think and how we act and how we relate to one another. In this New Testament age of grace, it's not a matter of the law. It's a matter of love. And love requires that we put ourselves and everything connected to us completely at the disposal of God. Let me tell you a lesson I've learned. Those who never learn to tithe, maybe you're one of them. You say, well, that's not true of me. Okay, I'm just going to make, I'm making a general statement. Those who never learn to tithe, those who never learn to bring that tenth to God's house and freely release it, always find it difficult to give themselves totally into the service of the Lord. There's a reason why this is called our treasure. God talked about it. Jesus talks about it. He says, wherever your treasure is, it's where your heart's going to be. And I want to tell you something, if your treasure is in your pocketbook, if it's in your billfold, if it's in your purse, that's where your heart's at. But I want you to hear me very clearly, that is not where the heart of Jesus is. The heart of Jesus is with people. And that's the reason I'm going to throw my last thing at you, my last point, I promise. I'll stop. I use a whole lot more words than this when I'm introducing our, our offertory, but I just want one more. I have to because they all are T's, and, you know, it's kind of that alliteration thing that preachers do. But Jesus' followers are called to faithfully use our testimony. What is the greatest thing that God has given you? What is the greatest thing that God has given you? If you are a born-again, blood-bought, redeemed saint of the living God, you have been entrusted with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. He has placed it inside of these earthen vessels, Paul says. There's another place where Paul refers to us as cracked pots, but that's a different sermon. He has placed this treasure inside of these earthen pots. He has given us a trusteeship in holding and distributing the mysteries of God. When we talk about mysteries of God, people go, oh, I didn't know there were mysteries. Oh, yeah, there's the mystery of, of forgiveness. There's the mystery of hope. There's the mystery of eternal life. Things that don't make any sense to the world, and yet we find them in abundance in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And we are called to use every means, every method, every avenue that is at our disposal to tell that story and share the message and the love of Jesus Christ. 
People say, well, I'm not sure how to do it. Well, let me give it to you real easy. Lives, lips, love. Lives, lips, and love. We have to use the language of our lives. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm never going to say to you, well, you just live your Christian life and that'll be good enough. People will see that you love Jesus and they'll, they'll follow. No. We do need to follow Christ. We do need to be faithful in our testimony. We do need to be faithful in how we live and how we walk and how we follow. But that's not enough. We must also use the language of our lips. We must communicate the divine message that reveals the depth of God's love for lost humanity, drawing them back. He has given to us this ministry of reconciliation. What is it? That God is reconciling the world to himself through Christ Jesus. We've got to tell that. We've got to share that. To be silent when we have that message I want to tell you something, if, if, if you know Jesus Christ, if you are born again, if you belong to him and you say, I'm a child of the king, I want you to know that to be silent in this day, in the midst of the great spiritual need that is all around us, is inhuman. It's unnatural. But I want you to hang on right now because here's the word I want you to get. It is unchristian. Do not say you love Christ if you are willing to stand by and let someone that he loved so much he died for them. You're willing to let them go to hell because they've never had anybody tell them that there is hope and eternal life in Jesus Christ. What did I tell you? Lives, lips, and love. We have to be driven by love. Paul Paul wrote so clearly in 1 Corinthians 13. It's not just a passage for weddings. It's a beautiful chapter. And what he basically says is you can speak. You can give. You can do every manner of service. You can do all the right things. But if you don't do them for the right reason. It's worthless. You can do all the right things, but if you don't do it because of love, it means nothing. Everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we give, everywhere that we are going to go, it needs to be motivated and driven by our love for Christ and His love for people. It is not required that stewards be naturally, intellectually intelligent. Praise God. It's not required that stewards be highly educated, have multiple degrees or anything like that. It's not required that they be unusually clever or witty or verbose. It's not required that they be innovative or creative or on the cutting edge. It's required that they be faithful. Faithful. See, it's a choice. You can work to be any of those other things or you can just be this. It's a choice. 
But I'm convinced that it's a choice with only one answer if we are fully surrendered disciples of Jesus Christ. If we're fully surrendered to him, there is no choice. We will be faithful. We will go where he sends. We will do what he says. We will give what he tells us. We will be faithful stewards. The question is, are you ready to be a faithful steward today? Are you ready to start that journey, being faithful, not just in giving tithes or offerings, but in giving your life, in being willing to go and to tell and to serve? What's the big deal, preacher? How come you get so wound up about some of this stuff? It's easy. The days are growing short. The darkness is growing deeper in our world. And I am more firmly convinced than I have ever been about the truth of Scripture. And it is appointed unto men once to die and after this judgment. We will all be called to give an accounting. I am so thankful that I will never have to stand before the great white throne of God. But I believe that it is my calling as long as I breathe and as long as I have life to do everything in my power to steal as many away from Satan and out of hell as possibly can be done. And before you say, amen, preacher, you go, I want you to understand that is the calling of each one of us. If you belong to Jesus Christ, I want you to remember Remember, don't ever forget God is reconciling the world to himself through Christ Jesus. And he has given to us, brothers and sisters, this ministry of reconciliation. Are you ready to begin your journey as a faithful steward? I still don't get it. All right. Let me wind this thing all the way down by putting it into one sentence I think you'll get. One sentence. One sentence. I think you'll all get it. I'm confident that probably most of you in this room will recognize it when I utter it. One sentence. Because see, one day, everyone in this room, unless the Lord chooses to return in our lifetime, everyone in this room is going to draw a final breath. I cannot speak for anyone in this room but me. I can't wait for that to happen. I don't have a death wish. I'm just excited to meet Jesus. But you know what I'm most looking forward to? Is hearing him say this one sentence. Well done, good and faithful servant. 
Are you ready to begin your journey? Then that's what we're going to do. Let's bow our heads together. I, I want you to understand something. This journey of stewardship begins with those who have given their lives to Jesus Christ. Those who are still serving themselves, those who have chosen to remain outside the faith, those who have rejected the claims of God upon their lives, this isn't applicable to them. But if that's you and you're in this room this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, I want you to know something. What I told these children down here earlier is absolutely true for you. God knows you. God loves you. God has a plan for your life. And you can engage that plan by coming to faith in Jesus Christ today. So I'm not sure how to do that. That's why we're here. We want to explain it to you. We want to show you from the Word of God how you can become a child of the King today. In a moment when we stand and begin to sing, if you need that relationship, would you just come and take me by the hand? I will not embarrass you. I will not put you on the spot. Just tell me, Pastor, I want that relationship. I just want to spend time with you and share with you how you today can know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, brothers and sisters in Christ, we are called to be stewards. We have been entrusted with this ministry of reconciliation. For some, it may require that they give deeply. For some, it may require that they go far. For some, it may mean that they are going to serve beyond what they ever imagined. But for all of us, it means investing everything that God has invested in us in the service that he calls us to. I challenge you. I challenge you. Be faithful. Be faithful with what he's given you. And let him be the judge of your faithfulness. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. Lord, I thank you that sometimes we have to be reminded and you give us all the reminder we need. Lord, today, I want to be faithful. Every day, I want to be faithful. Help me, Father, to serve you in the way it pleases you and honors you. Lord, I pray for us in this room this morning. I know that there's someone in this room who does not know you. Anytime this many people come together, there's some here who don't know you. And perhaps they've been self-deceived. Maybe they've been deceived by someone else. Maybe they're playing a game and they're satisfied with that. I pray that your Holy Spirit would bring dissatisfaction upon them. Convict of sin. Convince of the need for a Savior. Convince them that Jesus Christ is their only hope. And draw them to yourself. Father, this is your, your work. And I pray that you do it. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room. You have invested in each one of us your love, the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. And you have blessed us abundantly with resources, with time, with talent, with treasure, with testimonies. Father, I pray that you would convict us and convince us of the need 
to be faithful in using what you've given to us. That all may hear and all may know that Jesus Christ is Lord. Father, to whatever you may be calling, give us ears to hear and hearts that are willing to follow. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.